The EPL show, if it all ended now, on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is presented by mybookie.ag. Las Vegas may be closed, but the MyBookie Casino is open 24-7. Use the promo code SGPCASINO to receive a 150% deposit bonus. That's promo code SGPCASINO to play, win, and get paid at mybookie.ag. We're also brought to you by Madden Mayhem, our Madden simulation tournament, where we're giving away $10,000 in MyBookie credits to the winners with the best brackets plus prop bets and live in-game wagering on all the action get all the info at sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash madden that's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash madden we're also brought to you by ace per head ace is the leader in paperhead providers and they make it super easy to start your own sportsbook plus ace is offering up to six weeks free over at aceperhead.com slash sgp that's aceperhead.com slash sgp <laughs> Hey guys, you are listening to the final episode of If It All Ended Now here on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. This has been an extension of the EPL show and it's been a four-part series that we've been doing over the last couple of months. And this is the final part where we'll be looking at who will be priced up as the favourites and what odds will we generally get next season, in my opinion, if the EPL is null and voided. Now, Last time out, I said that this was pretty much going to be a totally hypothetical show because the likelihood was, at the time, that the Premier League was going to be restarting at the start of June. Now, that still does look to be the likelihood, but I wouldn't say the chances of a full null and void situation is between slim and none. I would say it's simply very unlikely. And this does come because of the suspension of the season in Holland, who have got less deaths and less cases than the UK, and the suspension and null and voidance of the French League as well. So Holland are done and France are done. They have gone down the null and void route. It's very, very worrying. Uh, One positive that looked to be developing was that Germany were going to be starting their league in a couple of weeks. We're looking at a date of May the 9th. That looks like it could be postponed as well. And it could only be postponed a week or two until the uh, president, uh, actually, sorry, that's the Chancellor Angela Merkel decides when it will come back the teams are in training so we are looking at that coming back hopefully on the 9th but possibly the 16th but either way I think it shows an indication that Germany are determined to come back and hopefully we get the same determination of the Premier League I've not heard anything about a null and voidance in this situation I've heard various dates and various options about it Um, we are looking at playing games behind closed doors with the home teams being at home behind closed doors and your away teams being away. And we've heard about them coming together all in one venue and just locking down in one city for a month and playing all of the games, possibly at Wembley or possibly at Birmingham, in Birmingham. Uh, that's a bit of a weird one. Um, I'm not going to, I can't really foresee that players would be happy to lock down in one area for, for three weeks and just constantly play football like they're in some kind of crazy football prison camp. But obviously that has been touted as an option. Uh, I think that, that that becomes even more likely when you think that teams are returning to training this week at their normal training facilities. Therefore, all of a sudden they would all have to get up and move and and 
uh, all train in this one facility. I just don't see that one happening. Uh, another option that's been explored is that they go and play the games in UAE. Uh, that would obviously be a big money spinner for the Premier League. And with the lack of coronavirus in the UAE, of course, it does give them an option to bring in crowds. So these are the main options that we're looking at. But we are looking at this date still in June. Um, although the Premier League is officially suspended till May 19th, I think it's going to get extended another couple of weeks. And then we will get some play behind closed doors and we will see a conclusion to this Premier League season. And despite the fact I'll have undoubted and unspewed hatred for Liverpool I would prefer a resumption of the season because my team Manchester United are in a good position to get into the top four or five and get Champions League football next season they're also in the FA Cup and the Europa League so I'm not one of these Man United supporters that just want it ended just so that Liverpool don't end up winning the league because I think that if the league was declared null and void that the Premier League may make the unprecedented decision to award Liverpool the league and although a lot of people would turn around and say you didn't really win it you didn't really win it and and chuck around those kind of insults I think it's fair to say that Liverpool pretty much do deserve to win it because they're just two games away and it does pain me to say it but it just pains me to see would pay me more to see this season be null and void not just as a Man United supporter but as a, as a gambler as well and also because we would just be bowing down to this hoax fake virus as well i mean we've all heard my thoughts on it but data continues to emerge that this is a big hoax virus and it could go down in man in mankind history as one of the biggest overreactions in history we're looking at a death rate here that's being touted out uh, being around about 0.03 percent which would put it bang in line with the flu therefore that would make this a massive monumental overreaction and of course you're looking at situations now where they're putting down symptoms as covid deaths when people aren't really dying from it if that's the case as well then if you take down those numbers then it would put it bang in line with the flu already because as we look at these quarter of million deaths worldwide and 160,000 flu deaths worldwide this year that would put the coronavirus just 90,000 ahead and if you're looking at situations where um, documents have been faked or you're also looking at the possible eradication of a lot of flu cases with the lockdown as well then that would bring it up bang in line with the flu there's just a lot of bullshit about this virus in terms of why we are locking down for it. It seems like a massive overreaction to shut down sports. Yes, I would tolerate it and understand it for that six-week period, but I would just be repeating myself if I just came on here and repeated the same six-week theory as I did last time on the podcast. We know how I feel. We know my feelings towards it. We know that I think it's a big hoax. I know a lot of you guys think it's a big hoax, and I know that we all want sports back, and we've all kind of took it on the chin and accepted this lockdown for this extended period of six to eight weeks but it doesn't need to continue on any longer let's bring sports back let's not play it behind closed doors i know that's what they're going to do because there's a massive overreaction to this virus but let's not play the the next season behind closed doors let's be ready to start in august or september when the football season should start regularly with crowds let's get the nfl season started on time let's not fucking scrap college football completely or, or start it in um in 2021 it's just completely unnecessary there's there's more deaths if you do your research you'll see 
you've got more chance of dying from drinking. You've got more chance of dying from smoking. You've got more chance of dying from a sexually transmitted disease. You've got more chance of dying from a car crash. So if they are going to take these precautions for this COVID-19, then maybe they should ban alcohol, ban cigarettes, stop us fucking each other and, and not let us drive our fucking cars. That's basically the situation that we're faced with because all of those things are statistically proven to be more dangerous than this fucking bullshit that's ending our sports gambling options and not allowing us to even watch sport or not allowing these athletes to participate in sports. Fucking bullshit. And I want it done with. Let's get back to normality. Let's not cancel any more leagues. Let's get these games played behind closed doors or whatever. But if they are going to continue to be major fucking arseholes and scrap all of this and everything is declared null and void let's look at the hypothetical situations of what the markets would be next year for the EPL so we'll start with the EPL winner here off the bat I think looking at the table this season you would have to start next season with Liverpool as the favourites to win the league now coming into this season Liverpool were anywhere between 6-4 to four and 2-1, to one, with City generally priced around about 1-2, to 8-15 to, to, to win the league. I think there were some special offers knocking around where you could have got them around about 4-6, to six, minus 150, but there were staking limits on that. But I think Liverpool would have to go into next season as the favourites, but I wouldn't be making them any kind of major odds-on favourites. I think it would be a narrow thing where we would have Liverpool sitting at around about 11 to 10 to win this league with, I think, City being offered just a shade under 2 to 1. I think somewhere between plus 150 and 2 to 1 would be about right, so possibly 7 to 4, 15 to 8, something like that available on Manchester City. But I think looking at the gap, and looking at the problems that Manchester City are going to face with them being banned from the Champions League, I don't think they're going to be an attractive proposition for players to come to with the Champions League ban coming. I think, in fact, they would have to probably stick with what they've got and we know that they desperately need a new centre-back there so that may be a problem for them to attract that centre-back and at the same time keep the players that they have obviously this season Man City have had a lot more injuries than Liverpool but it doesn't compensate for the massive gap between the two sides in the table because we're looking at what here 25 points here and um, I don't think injuries can be used as an excuse for that yes Man City have been focusing more so on the Champions League yes they haven't been themselves and Liverpool have been unbelievable if Manchester City get a bit better and Liverpool get a little bit worse next season then that gap could close but obviously Liverpool are completely free to add players to this squad they haven't broken any FIFA fair play regulations at all but I think one thing that's worth looking at here is have Liverpool been found out because they weren't in good form before the league finished and Atletico Madrid along with the likes of Watford and I'm not talking about the game which Watford actually won. I'm talking about a prior game before at Anfield. They showed you a blueprint for how to beat Liverpool in terms of putting men behind the ball and just allowing Liverpool to have this possession. It's when you press Liverpool that they're able to push their fullbacks forwards and outnumber you with the players. But if you just sit Liverpool, sit back on Liverpool and have the ball, they don't necessarily have the playmakers to break you down. And that possibly should be something that Liverpool look at in the summer. I wouldn't be surprised if they go 
and sign a 70, 80 million pound centre forward as much as Firmino does do a lot of decent work and allows Salah and Mane to break free as forwards and although they are identified as wingers they're pretty much forwards where Firmino drops into somewhat of a diamond allowing those two to break forward as strikers and score a large mass of the Liverpool goals. I think it may be time for them to sign an option B and to have themselves an out-and-out forward who can get themselves out of these predicaments, to get on the end of balls, to get on the end of tappings, to get on the end of crosses from headers, to utilise... Uh, Robertson and Alexander even more than they currently do and don't have such a heavy reliance on Mane and Salah who will be needing a rest because they cannot continue to play game after game after game after game the way that they've played this season and that goes for a lot of the Liverpool players because Klopp isn't really one who rotates massively through this team. I mean, he has done it where he's completely disrespected the FA Cup and and the uh, Carabao Cup, etc. But he hasn't done it in the Champions League or the Premier League and it's almost inevitable these players will get tired so it wouldn't be surprising for me to see Liverpool buying themselves a 70-80 million pound strike option and a 70-80 million pound playmaker so that's 150 million plus that Liverpool can go and spend in the window that Manchester City won't be able to well we don't think they'll be able to at this moment. We don't know what the outcome will be of any kind of appeal that Man City may force but I would lean towards Liverpool at the moment. But for a third favourite here, which is where it gets interesting, where you're looking at somebody coming in at around about four or five to one, that's where you have to be looking at Manchester United. Now, I'm not saying this as a Manchester United supporter, and obviously this isn't indicative of what the league table looks like because at the moment we have Chelsea sitting in fourth and Leicester sitting in third with Manchester City, uh, Manchester United sorry, coming up in fifth place. But you have to look at how Manchester United have played since the addition of Bruno Fernandes. You have to look at what they've turned around and said about the Paul Pogba situation in terms of the initial plan at the moment is not to release him and to sell him. The plan is to play him alongside Fernandes. And we've never seen that combination at Man United. We've also seen that Manchester United are doing very well without, without Marcus Rashford, who was carrying his team for the start of the season. And we've also seen David De Gea have a very average season. Now, with Man United's defence being very, very good at the start of 2020. If that defence continues to improve with Harry Maguire as the forefront and the captain, if David De Gea has a better season, if Marcus Rashford continues to play as he does, and if Pogba and Fernandes work, then Man United will automatically become the third best team in the Premier League. But you also are forgetting that Manchester United always and will always have the biggest kitty in the transfer window. Now, obviously... This will be different if the Newcastle buyout goes through. But at the moment, as it stands, you can fully expect Manchester United to drop a £150 million budget or maybe even £200 million or more to make sure that they are challenging for this Premier League this season. And I think that is always an X factor that you have to take into consideration when you look at Manchester United. Because even when things are terrible and they look completely out of, they're out of form, they look like they need a complete rebuild then they can spend 250, 300 million. They could still spend 300 million anyway because we don't know the Paul Pogba situation. And if Paul Pogba has sold, that's going to add even more to the Manchester United transfer kitty. We're looking at a 120 to 130 million, maybe even more for, uh, coming in for Paul Pogba that Man United are going to spend. So with that kind of spending power, uh, added to the fact that they look defensively astute at the moment, add to the fact that Bruno Fernandes has settled in perfectly, add to the fact that they are going to spend money and Man United, are your definite third favourites for this title next season. Before we move on with the rest of the teams, 
let me tell you guys something you probably already know that there are no sports on TV and the casinos are all shut down. So you might be asking yourself, why is he telling me that? And you also might be asking yourself, I'm bored. What the hell am I going to do? Well, our sponsor, my bookie, has the answer for you. They are now offering you the opportunity to bet on stimulated sport so you can get that it's scratched and win some cash. Make sure to check out Madden Mayhem. The SGP guys will actually be doing live commentary, live play-by-play on these simulated Madden games, and you can bet on them. Thursday to Friday, games kick off at 5 Pacific and 7 Pacific. Go to mybookie.ag and get a 150% deposit bonus for the casino when you use the promo code SGPCASINO. That's mybookie.ag, promo code SGPCASINO. Or if you're looking for a sportsbook action to bet on the Madden Sims, use the promo code SGP for up to $1,000 in bonus bets. Now, you're probably asking, what is Madden Mayhem? Well, we're giving away 10 thousand dollars in my bookie credits for the best brackets you can do live in-game wagering prop bets futures and much more available at mybookie.ag make sure you get your bracket in before the tournament kicks off the first game is thursday night april 30th 5 p.m pacific time and 8 p.m eastern time well done to me for learning what PT and ET means. Um, sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash Madden for all the details. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash Madden for all the details. Before we get back to the show and talk about the team who are having fourth, let me take a second here to show some love for one more of our sponsors, and that's aceperhead.com. If you guys have ever wondered about how to start your own sportsbook but don't know how, aceperhead has helped you start your own sportsbook. They'll provide you with an all-inclusive professional betting site with all lines updated to the second and wages graded immediately. They have top-notch customer support going 24-7 and some of the sharpest lines in the industry. Plus, Ace offers a live betting experience and an amazing mobile betting experience. Get started today and is offering up to six weeks free. Just go to aceperhead.com slash SGP. That's aceperhead.com slash SGP. In fourth, that's where Chelsea come in. That is their league position at the moment. They're behind Leicester, but I don't have Leicester in my top six here. I'm sorry to Leicester fans. It really does look like being a one-off for Leicester and I do think that we will resort back to type next season I think Chelsea will be massively improved they've done very well with the youngsters Lampard's had a season to look at who he wants to keep and who he doesn't I think some of those youngsters will be ingrained into the team and they will add a ton of experience to it they are going to buy some top players in the next window I expect Chelsea to also spend well over 100 million adding to their squad and I think they can bring in the key players to make sure that they cement their position in the top four and as for winning the league, I think they would be sitting around the 6-1 to one mark here as the fourth favourites. In fifth place, we have to be looking at Tottenham. Um, outside of the top four, but obviously for a couple of years, the top five is going to get you in. So Tottenham could go back into the Champions League next season if it's all null and voided. But if they don't, I certainly expect them to be back in the season after by finishing in the top five. If the Jose Mourinho thing doesn't work, they're going to have to make the change early and they could bring in another manager. Hell, it could be so embarrassing for them to possibly bring back Mauricio Pochettino. Although I don't see that happening, I have a feeling 
that Newcastle next season will be looking for a big manager and maybe Mauricio Pochettino could be on their radar. I don't know that for sure, but I just have a feeling that that could be the type of manager that they're looking for. Somebody young, somebody who knows the English Premier League and somebody who's highly rated and Mauricio Pochettino ticks all the boxes far better than Steve Bruce does. And it would be unfortunate for Bruce, who's had a good season at, uh, at um at Newcastle, but I do think Newcastle are going to get in a big manager. So I do think Tottenham are going to have to make do with Mourinho. Can Mourinho be an absolute disaster with a summer to sort out his defence? Extra finances spent. No, Tottenham are not going to spend as much as Manchester United. They're not even going to spend as much as Chelsea. They're not going to spend as much as Liverpool because of the owner that they have. But getting out the, the right players, I mean, if they do end up selling Undombele, who came to Tottenham for big money, if they can recuperate 50 million for him, and I know Barcelona are interested, then immediately... That's 50 million you can spend on top of the 50 to 70 million that probably will be made available by Daniel Levy. That's 120 million in the hands of Jose Mourinho from the sale of Ndombele and from the money that he should be getting from Levy anyway. In addition to that, there could be more outs than Tottenham going out from Tottenham than you think and it gives Mourinho the opportunity to bring in the right players for him and we could see Tottenham improve or we could see a complete disaster but I don't think he's going to get a shit ton of time I think 10 15 games maximum to see how they do a new manager comes in inherits that good squad inherits their Deli Ali, Lucas Moura Harry Kane all these top talents and uh, we'll see if Tottenham can get themselves back into the conversation. As for winning the league, I think I would have Tottenham at around about 10 to 1 next season to win the league. Looking at the team in sixth, now this is more narrow than you think because everybody's thinking Arsenal, and yes, I do have Arsenal here at around about the 14 to 16 to 1 mark, but Obviously, I think we're already running out of teams that are actually going to challenge for the league. The big challenge for Arsenal is to keep the key players in place and to help their young players improve. But whether Aubameyang stays or not is another thing because I think that he's being heavily linked to Manchester United at the moment. And if Manchester United are serious about making the title charge next season and not continuing to just build for the future and looking at a title charge in two or three seasons' time and just re-securing Champions League football, then they should buy Aubameyang now because he's going to be good in the Premier League and consistent for another two or three years and Man United can have a quick turnaround with him he can come in be a vital squad player be a vital starter as well for throughout most of the season and he can provide you with those extra goals that you need to kill off games where Manchester United have had a lot of draws. They can turn those draws into wins, those nine draws that they've had this season. If they were to win half of them, they would instantly be in a better league position. But obviously it's non-comparable to the massive 82, 82 points that Liverpool have put up from their first 29 games. But it's key for Arsenal to hold on to a Bamiyang. It's key for their young players to improve. It's key for them to spend some money, especially in the defence where they do obviously look shaky again. And I still think that Torreira and Xhaka aren't good enough. They do need a defensive midfield player. I think Arsenal need to do too much. They need to do far more than everybody else in the top five. And that's why I have them here in around about the 14 to 16 to one mark um, inside of the top six. 
And just behind them, at around about 20 to 1, I have Newcastle. Now, a lot of people would be expecting me to say Leicester here. But if this takeover does go through, the Newcastle are going to be three times richer than any club in the Premier League. It's going to be absolutely massive if they do get this blood money from the Saudis, which is going to be... Obviously, a huge concern to the Premier League teams here in the top six because there's going to be a new intruder. Not immediately, and I don't think it's going to be in the first season, and I don't think that all of these players, even if they do go and buy all these big names in world football, and I'm talking seven or eight additions to the squad, not just the squad, the team, I'm talking about players going straight in, they're certainly not going to hit the ground running. It didn't happen for Manchester City. It didn't happen for Chelsea. It won't happen for Newcastle. But just on the fact alone that we could see potentially a very, very different new look Newcastle next season, I think that puts them in a conversation here around about 20 to 1. I think collectively you're looking at two more teams here with a possible shot of not winning the Premier League but breaking into the top four. Um, you have to look at Everton and you have to look at Leicester City. And... I think just a little bit behind them, Wolverhampton Wanderers, because Wolverhampton Wanderers sit a little bit behind a team because they never really go out and spend big money. They also readily stick to the same 13, 14 players, don't rotate their squad much. I think they would need to buy a lot of players to improve. And I'm not sure they would be able to attract the players playing in the Europa League. Everton are a different proposition because they are a massive team who play at a massive ground with a massive manager, manager in Carlo Ancelotti. And that would be the X factor alone that could attract a non-Champions League team, attract players to a non-Champions League team. Leicester City, although they have finished inside of the top four this season. I don't expect them to drift out of the top four, despite the fact that they haven't been in good form since Christmas. I do look at that form and I do worry for the next season. Will they be able to attract new players, even though they are in the Champions League? And will they be able to hold on to the likes of James Madison and others in their team, like Wilfred and Didi as well? I'm not too sure. I'm not sure Leicester are going to be in the conversation next season for the top four at all. So if I was to price these teams up, I would have... Everton at 20s, Leicester at 25s, and Wolves at 28. So that's all the teams I'm going to cover in terms of who wins the Premier League next season because I don't think there's any more point. Looking at the relegation race, now we're looking at this season being declared null and void and everybody still being in it. Uh, therefore, I can't see how Norwich City are going to massively improve giving another shot at this. I think differently about Aston Villa, but I don't think any different about Norwich. I think Norwich next season would start as odds-on favourites to be relegated from the league. We're looking at them being around about uh, four to five, five to six favourites to go down again. I think if we're looking at second favourites, we have to look at Brighton here, despite the fact they're sitting 15th in the table. I don't think Brighton have a plethora of money, and I think they have a manager who's adamant to play a style of football that isn't favourable to the players he's got. Yes, he's a great manager, and yes, he's trying to do the right things, but are these players capable of playing good football? I don't think so. The fact that they've pulled up 29 points from 29 games this season 
is somewhat an, of an achievement. But I think if they continue going into this season with that, that they're going to have a total that's even lower and we're not going to see the likes of West Ham, Watford or Bournemouth playing as badly as they have and they will be reliant on them playing as badly as this and Brighton being in the league position that they're in with 29 points. I think 29 points would regularly put you in a relegation zone and if Bar and if Brighton do have 29 points again next season, I would put them in my relegation favourites. The last team I think I add into that would be Aston Villa. Uh, Aston Villa may spend some money in the summer to avoid being in this situation. I think they would be the big, big beneficiaries of having another go at this. I think that they would do things differently and strengthen in the right areas this time around. Um, but in saying that, they have had a load of injuries as well. So getting back some of these injuries alone would make them a pretty much would pre make them pretty much like a new team. So I would only price them at around about two to one to go down. Whereas I would have Brighton at around about six to four and Warwick as the uh, odds on favourite, as I already said, around about four to five, five to six region. So that concludes your hypothetical prices for next season. There is no point me delving into other markets such as the top goal scorer, for example, because I think it's pretty difficult to do when you don't know who's going to be playing in the Premier League this season. With the big turnaround of players that we have in the Premier League, we could be seeing some big stars coming in in the summer. So we just don't know. And it's not a market that's worth doing because obviously it would just be topped by the usual suspects such as uh, Aubameyang, Kane and Aguero if we just carry on with the players that we have. So we not going to bother with that it'll be a complete waste of time i think you guys have got a good feel as to who i feel like will be in the top four just from my pricing i think fourth place is just going to be a shootout between tottenham and chelsea just simply based on who is the better manager and who has the better additions i mean their games this season have been very neck and neck as well in terms of how the uh, bookies priced them going in obviously the results weren't because chelsea won every single game and i think that's why you see Chelsea much higher up the table than Tottenham because obviously if Tottenham had won those games we could sue the teams in quite different positions but that's not what happened but if you look at the personnel on on the pitch and you were making a combined 11 between these two teams it's very very neck and neck so for me it is going to be between these two teams and it's just a matter of who Newcastle add can Leicester perform another miracle season can Wolves finally sign some players can Everton attract big names can Arsenal attract big names and hold on to what they have if anybody else can come anywhere near this top five. But I think the top five is secure. I think the top three is secure. I think Man United are going to continue to improve despite the fact that they keep in Solskjaer as a manager. I think these players are playing for Solskjaer. I think they respect Solskjaer. I think they enjoy playing under Solskjaer. And I think things are starting to come together. I think Bruno Fernandes is key. We must sort out the Pogba situation this summer, whether he's staying, whether he's going. And if he's going to stay, he needs to be committed to this team. And this team needs to press forward for the title and they do need to spend the 150 to 200 million very very wisely but I don't expect it to be enough to penetrate this top two I think the gap between Liverpool and City is too much I think City can improve and I don't think Liverpool will be as good but I do expect even if this season is declared null and void which is unlikely to do Liverpool to still have the edge what will be really sickening is if this season isn't declared null and void and Liverpool win it and then they go on and win it again anyway next season and that is a possibility because even if this season's finished these predicted prices that I've given out might not be too different to what we get 
anyway because we're only looking at a matter of eight or nine game more being completed and they won't make a significant difference to the prices what may will, what will make the bigger difference is who these players who these teams sorry sign in the summer and as I said it will be key to see what happens at Newcastle because that could be the big interesting team to watch over the summer in the summer window before I close out, let me tout my site because I did say I wasn't going to be a sellout. I wasn't going to diminish the reputation of the website by giving out any old shit by playing esports or table tennis or crappy league tennis or anything like that. I was going to maintain the integrity of the sport. Well, I've done, managed to do that and I've managed to continue to make profit throughout this lockdown period. The WWE and WrestleMania in particular was a massive success. We have money in the bank on the horizon and made it and what's even more surprising is that we have been dominating Belarusian football. We have killed it in Belarus, the only league in Europe that seems to be running, but we seem to be making money off it. We have a 10-2 and two record in Belarus for all plays over half unit to one unit. A 10-2 and two record. I specify that 0.5 unit to one unit stake because we have had a couple of plays where uh, I put £10 on a score line or I have £20 on an in-play. But when we're looking at the proper plays that I've given out from half unit to unit, we are 10 in two in Belarus. We completely own this league with complete understanding on it. We're coming into this off the back of a 4-0 sweep on Sunday. So... We are still continuing to do great things. We are still continuing to make our money for our clients over at lockbetting.com. As I said, I wasn't going to diminish the integrity of the site. I was willing to play nothing. I was willing to let the subscribers come down. However, I took a look at Belarus, saw that we were making money there. I knew that our WrestleMania bets were going to cash. That includes our pending bets that were put on before WrestleMania in terms of what the matches were going to be. And then we cashed in on the match cards as well. Belarus has come in nicely. WrestleMania came in nicely. The WWE continues to yield profit and we have a WWE pay-per-view on May the 10th and we have the resumption of the Bundesliga on May the 9th and of course Belarus will continue to roll on. It is actually now a good time to come back. If you were one of those subscribers that left, I completely understand it. Some of you guys reached out to me and texted me personally and said, hey, I'm really sorry, I'm going to have to leave the service. I said, that's absolutely fine. Everybody that left, I completely understand it, but everybody that stayed they continued to make money. So now is the time where I will start to push the service again. It is time to come back. Sports is coming back. Hopefully, we're looking, as I said, at Bundesliga, May the 9th, WWE, May the 10th, and of course, the Premier League, hopefully at the start of June, and Belarusian football will continue as we have a record in it of 10 and 2. That concludes this podcast and that concludes this series. I hope you've enjoyed if it all ended now it's been a four-part series go back and check out the other parts before the start of the season but hopefully we'll be back with the epl in june but until then we will have the bundesliga and i will be back on here with a special bundesliga preview but until then thanks for listening guys